Welcome to the SPE Podcast, powered by the Society of Petroleum Engineers. You're listening to SPE Live, the future of well integrity. The audio from this episode was previously recorded on January 17th, 2024. And now your moderator, Pierre-Edouard Vincent. Welcome all to this SPE Live on the future of well integrity. My name is Pierre-Edouard Vincent, and I'm CWI Manager with Trident in London, where I'm dialing from. I will be your moderator for the session today. Uh, this SP Live will last 30 minutes. We encourage you to ask questions throughout the event. Before starting the conversation with our panelists today, I would like you to invite. Uh, I would like to invite you to attend the SP workshop on the future of well integrity from March 5 and 6 in Amsterdam, in the Netherlands. This workshop will be a high quality event where key themes relevant to well integrity will be discussed. The program will include eight action-packed sessions with a number of breakouts uh, where deliverables will be captured for all attendees. Those sessions will include setting the scene for well integrity in the energy transition, leading practices within well integrity, understanding and managing risk, the challenges of regulating well integrity, well integrity for CCS, digital well integrity, measuring what matters, and then finally, future proofing well integrity. You can find out a bit more about some of those themes in today's SPE live events. It's now my pleasure to introduce our guests. Uh, there will be three. Michael Edwards is founder and president of a consulting company and serves as senior executive advisor for partners in performance with 33 years of experience in the energy sector, focused primarily on upstream technology, service operations, well operations, policy, risk management, marketing, governance, and corporate strategy. She served as a government liaison during the Deepwater Horizon emergency response and as a member of the BP leadership team. She holds a BS in mechanical engineering with a minor in robotics from Texas A&M and postgraduate studies in business with several automation, drilling, and flow assurance patents and publications. She's a board member of WITS and serves as the global liaison, leading a community of regional representatives. Kenny McAllister started his career as a research scientist and product development project leader outside of the oil industry. For the last 25 years, he has been dedicated to bringing new technology to the well space, including downhole fiber optics and innovative downhole electronic measurement and zonal control, including full smart wells working for both innovative SMEs and tier one service companies. Kenny has been managing director of Seal Tight UK, bringing well integrity solutions to Europe, Middle East and Africa operators for more than a decade. Kenny is also active in ICOTA, DECOM North Sea, and particularly SP Aberdeen, where he has served, held several positions, including chair. 
Kenny currently is the Europe Liaison Officer for the WITS. Finally, Kareem Shafi is a carbon storage manager at Drax, where he is responsible for screening, selecting, and securing suitable carbon transport and storage capacity for global negative emission BCCS projects. Kareem's experience covers technical, policy, and commercial deployment of CCUS in the UK, Europe, North America, and Asia Pacific. His prior achievements include pioneering best practice guidelines on standard well decommissioning and well decommissioning for future CO2 storage projects and leading industry-wide consultations across the UK and EU to ensure policymakers have sound understanding of the technical wells and subsurface challenges associated with CO2 injection. Michael, Kenny and Kareem, welcome to this SPE Live. And Michael, we'll start with uh, an introduction about the WITS. Pierre, thank you so much. It's a pleasure and honor to be here uh, with uh, Kenny and Kareem as well. I uh, am, had a pleasure in working with WITS for the last, uh, I think, pretty much my entire career to some fashion board for the last three years. I was asked following uh, my um, work at BP to, to join the WITS. I am the global liaison um, and felt very strongly with our outreach to the regions. And so this year is a bit different. We now have regional leads in all our major regions and we are uh, intending to expand that community outreach. So this is a great opportunity for us to share with you the WITS board. You were uh, expecting a slide up here and I think uh, you were also wanting to put a QR code for people to connect with us. So if you're in a region and you're interested in being involved, um, please do reach out to us. Let us know what you would like to, to connect with. And we do want to make sure that we communicate back through our regional leads because we're trying to, to make sure that we have some organization around what we do and the priorities in the region. Um, yes, so for those that don't know WITS, WITS is a technical section board uh, that is centered around the well integrity technical section. Um, we are interested in any, anything having to do with a safe management of well integrity across uh, the multiple phases. And as you can imagine, those phases are beyond the ones that we have been uh, traditionally managing in well integrity. And I think today we're going to talk about that game a bit as well. Um, so we do want to make sure that people understand that WITS does have a, a unified purpose around our members and uh, having a robust and healthy discussion around what does uh, well integrity mean throughout the life cycle within your academic world as well. So we want to make sure we have that inclusive environment for those that are working out in in their um, respective organizations uh, to come to WITS and uh, share us share with us your your views where you see the future. So this is a great conversation to be able to do that. Um, we also want to make sure that we're informing you in your region those areas in which, um, for instance, this Well Integrity Europe um, conference, where we want you to to feel welcome to to join uh, this community, even if you may not have a Well Integrity background, but you're interested in Well Integrity. And um, we also want to uh, share with 
with you some of the latest uh, knowledge and best skills. Uh, we do have a uh, Wikipedia. We do a blog on a regular basis. These webinars, and if you do see an area that we're missing, we want to hear from you on areas that we'd like to to share with uh, our greater global community. So um, we also want to recognize that well integrity does stretch across multiple disciplines. Uh, we tend to be a glue for uh, many of the discussions, particularly when there is an issue. So we want to make sure that the other disciplines um, that we're used to working with, data analytics, we're ramping up um, our involvement with that technical section, as well as CCUS, sustainability and some other sessions. We're used to working with the reservoir engineers and the completion engineers, but we do want to hear from you on, on are we, are we uh, seeing some additional ones down the road for well integrity? Well, thank you, Pierre. I think that's all I have on my end. Perfect. Thank, thank, thank you, Michael. So we'll now proceed uh, with questions uh, to our panelists, so the, the the three the three of you, Michael, Kenny, and Karim, um, and they will be related to the content of the workshop as, as we mentioned. So let let's get started with um, a question from Leading Practices: um, Leading versus lagging. What do you see could see could be factors explaining differences between companies and and how they manage well integrity? Well, will I jump in on this one, Pierre? Abs absolutely. Sure. Um, I think um, there are three areas of leadership that we want operators to really engage with. Um, firstly, the the big picture of where we're going with well integrity. So whether we, you know, what we should be measuring, how we should be controlling and regulating um, the practices in the field, and um, so you know the big picture kind of stuff. I think also we need to be thinking about how the operator and the regulator work together. Kareem, in your introduction, you described how Kareem was trying to describe to the regulators the kind of things they ought to um, be focusing on and the kind of things that they ought to be measuring and what the key issues in, in CCUS are going to be. Um, and I think the third area of uh, leadership is really in the, at the coalface. You know, when we're sitting in front of a well, the actual practice by, you know, the first line supervisors and the technicians uh, on the jobs looking after our wells and working on our wells. And there are three kind of separate areas where I think we need that um, that kind of leadership. And we can we, we see variations between national oil companies and, and majors, we see uh, variations in geography and how these kind of things are doing. But we have seen some great exemplars in, in all of those areas, I think. You know, if we think about the big picture stuff, we've seen the strong engagement with uh, some real leaders in, in well integrity, like uh, Paul Hoffman and Ian Taylor of Shell, who are really good at that high level, big thinking, you know, 20 years down the line kind of thoughts. And, you know, those of us that work on the service side and send people all over the world have seen, you know, the uh, constant practice we see across different geographies and different cultural barriers. And I think that's, that kind of leadership is in a lot of ways the most important part. You know, it's all right having great thoughts, but I think, you know, it's delivery that really matters when it comes to well integrity. So it's great to see that. I've always worked on the service side, so I can't really comment on that interaction between the regulator and the and the operator. But uh, that's a really key part of making sure this 
three-cornered hat uh, really protects us. Um, so, uh, yeah, so I think all those areas are really important. And I think we've seen some of the, some of the offers, both national oil companies and some of the majors really uh, drive in leadership in all those areas. Kareem, any, any comments from your side on, on the guidelines, best practices, jointly prepared? Yeah, I, I, I suppose to bridge the gap between lagging practice and, and uh, leading practice would perhaps, you know, to be to continue with the relevant engagements with regulators uh, to attend workshops, but more importantly, to actually take part in relevant technical consultations because guidelines and, and standards, they're the framework for what good looks like. But um, as we all know, guidelines and standards, they do get updated and that's the correct platform uh, for everyone on the call to raise any concerns that they have with lagging practice to push uh, the sector towards what good actually looks like. And I, I think that's going to be fundamental um, as we now broaden our remit away from oil and gas to consider new energies such as CCUS, perhaps hydrogen storage uh, and geothermal as well. Excellent. Um, maybe we move to, to the, the second question related to understanding and managing risk just in, in the interest of, uh, of time. Um, with an aging portfolio across the world and integrity issues gradually developing, what do you think are some good tools to help operators and regulators understand and manage risk? I mean, without giving names, but uh, things you, you think are going to help us manage manage that in the future. Any of you? I think we all want to talk about AI, don't we? <laughs> I mean, I think if we look at other um, integrity issues, you know, uh, a few years back, maybe about a decade ago now, there's some excellent work done on pipeline uh, predictions of failure um, by Leanne Smith and other, other leaders in, in that kind of integrity work. Um, and I've recently been looking to see if there's similar things uh, happening in the wells environment. And we are really at the early stages. You know, our data gathering is becoming much more automated than it's been in the past, much more regular than it's been in the past. Uh, new wells being drilled have got uh, much more guidance from the regulator and from international guidelines to say what kind of monitoring we ought to be doing. And it's a case of looking at that. I mean, we've all, you know, seen some seminal papers on, you know, safety valve failures and that sort of stuff uh, in the old Sintef database in Norway, uh, where they've taken, you know, data from lots and lots of different operators and service companies put it in there and analysed it. Now, what we'd really like to see is more of that work being done, more of that data being mined in order to do more predictive work. I think uh, I'm certainly excited by that. And, and, and the work that I've been doing the last six months or so, uh, talking to suppliers about predictability of failure, um, is really at the early stages in the AI environment. You know, it's much more focused um, on, you know, digital twinning of uh, uh, topside assets and, and and production systems rather than the wells environment, but it definitely will come and it's on a lot of people's radar. So I'm really excited about that, um, trying to combine, you know, higher levels of monitoring with um, real solid work on predictability of failure. Michael, data analytics, any, any comments? Right. So yeah, I do. You can you can actually see why Kenny Kenny joining uh, Wits has been uh, a really good benefit for us. Um, 
I, I have spent half my career in the service sector, half in an operator. Uh, so I often think about the new technology and innovation. Um, it, it's one of the reasons why the, the data analytics group asked me to be on their um, group. One of the trends that we're seeing in the data analytics, data science realm is a need to share data to a much greater uh, perspective. We've known this for a while, but one of the trends we're seeing is that we're able to convince whether it's operator service companies to to donate their data for what I call purpose. Um, anonymizing the data is fairly easy. We're you know signing an NDA with a major operator for our machine learning challenge that's coming up here in spring. All around ESP um, predictive analytics uh, on failure rates. So that's just one of many examples that we do need a you know a lot better understanding that data is not necessarily a competitive advantage, especially if you're not able to use it and you're not able to use it to the AI level. Most of our big barriers is that we don't have enough data um, present uh, to, to turn around some of these predictive analytic models. Um, I do th like to also say that every well is different. So the breadth of, of intelligence behind the data is quite quite revealing and the more we share we're going to be able to to unlock some of these innovative ways of uh, of um, eliminating these failures and keeping our wells uh, safe and with high integrity so so we will have of course during the uh, the workshop some some fairly extensive coverage of quantitative risk analysis uh, for decision making. So then there'll be good discussions on that. And, and of course, there'll be a session on measuring what matters, which is specifically designed to feed the models to, to help making uh, good decisions. Uh, if we move to um, well integrity for CCS, um, maybe take take the first quest question uh, there. CCS is relatively new and the few projects which have been delivered have shown there's still lessons to be learned. In your view, where can we expect potential, you know, technical pinch points with a focus on, on well integrity? So maybe I can kick, kick off with that one. Um, Maybe on the lessons learned, what I would say is it's, it's more of an evolution because we do have good industry practices uh, within our, our existing sector. And we've had decades of expertise when it comes to injecting CO2 for EOR. Um, we've also had a few pilot projects as, as well that have been successful. But what what is actually going to change within this decade is we're moving from uh, low scale injection to mass scale injection around 10 million tons per, per annum. And therefore, best practice will have to evolve as well. But in terms of the technical pinch points, that perhaps depends on where we are within the carbon storage lifecycle, uh, such as if we're characterizing a storage site, are we looking at the design of the well? Are we looking at the operations? Um, if it's the first stage site characterization, then the pinch point has to be the, the legacy well screening because it's the first task that uh, an operator would have to endure to demonstrate to the regulator that uh, the uh, legacy barrier has the integrity to retain CO2 to gain the permission uh, to begin injecting CO2. And that is something that we are going to focus on within the workshop in, in March as well. And, and we'll have a session on that. Um, if we're looking at the design aspect, then the technical pinch point here is that we're dealing with a different fluid. 
CO2 or, um, I mean, CO2 is the, the primary property that we are dealing with. But when we capture CO2 from emitters, uh, we will have impurities within that CO2 stream. So we have to ensure that the wells are designed with a way of um, interacting with impurities as well as CO2. Uh, we have to understand the technical requirements for the project because if we're transporting CO2 in a dense liquid state and uh, injecting it into a depleted gas field which has low pressure, then we'll have additional challenges to consider, uh, such as the expansion of that dense phase CO2 into a gas and the associated uh, drop in temperature as a result of that Joule-Thomson cooling effect. And so we need to make sure that the wells are designed uh, to be able to consider that environment, the materials are adequate, but also that we've qualified uh, components of our well and the the valves to uh, be able to tolerate such extreme pressures and temperatures. Does someone want to add something to, to, to around CCS? If if not, then then we'll we'll move on to to the next uh, series of question. We'll take one from the um, measuring on on the measuring what matters uh, theme. Um, what do we see as some of the challenges um, associated with? measuring well integrity inside in inside of wells do, do we do we see new promising new technology helping us understand better integrity conditions inside the well so we can be a bit more proactive um i've worked in monitoring control of wells most of my career and i think it's fair to say that um nobody wants the bad news right <laughs> You know, nobody wants to know that the water's going to the wrong place when they're injecting. So I think we do have a challenge with, with well integrity new technology is that, you know, we need to uh, have a good understanding of what the implication of that's going to be uh, and what we're going to be able to do about any problems that we find. Um, so I think there's, a, there's got to be a lot of engagement between not just would this technology tell us something we want to know about the well, but what we're going to do about it? You know, so it's not just a case of finding things that are a problem, but what we're going to do uh, to go about fixing new problems or fixing problems in new ways. So I think that's a big challenge that we have in terms of new technology is um, lots more bad news isn't necessarily what people get really excited about. What we need is to couple the new monitoring and the new knowledge about your wells with, with new solutions to fix them cheaper, better, faster, match related, that sort of thing. Very good. In, in our session at the workshop, we'll be split into measuring what matters inside the wells and also outside the wells. So we will have you know, discussions about potentially detecting signs of potential leaks, uh, methane emissions, uh, etc. Et um, and I think there's some really exciting new technology in that area. You know, we've seen uh, this NASA spin-off uh, methane sniffing technology that's been used in pipelines and other places at the moment. We've seen some things that allow uh, abandoned wells or wells that are you know, maybe subsea uh, that uh, have unplanned releases uh, sending off uh, chemical triggers that can alert us to those kind of issues. So there are some really exciting things there. Uh, but we also need to talk to operators and work with operators to ensure that that new technology gives them solutions as well as new problems. Any more? If, if no other comments, we're going to go into questions from the audience. And we've had a few 
Good, uh, good question. So the first one is a bit contentious. So treat that with a bit of caution. But uh, it, it comes from the SP Energy Stream mm-hmm. website, and it is our regulators. Uh, capable of handling issues with abandoned and stranded wells when operators are not in the scene. I don't know if they're asking this to comment on the performance of particular regulators. I don't feel particularly well qualified to do that. Um, and I think, you know, that it depends an awful lot on what the, the legal regime is. You know, if the wells default back to, um, you know, let's say in the UK, it'd be the Crown Waters or whatever. Um, they so they'd refer back to the the government if they are entirely abandoned. But we've got this perpetuity leg- legislation here, which means as long as the company exists, it will go further, further back to whoever <laughs> drilled the well or the initial license holder until they find someone that's liable for it. So that's that's challenging, and it makes I think the North Sea much more cautious than it would be in other areas. Yeah, and I think in all fairness, it's not an easy question to answer in a few seconds or or even in a few minutes. Uh, I can only say we will have regulators at the workshop present their own perspective on on their job and, and how complicated it can be. So if you want to know a bit more about that, feel free <laughs> feel free to join. We will have these uh, these conversations. Another question. And I think, sorry, if I could just comment very quickly on the workshop on that is that in the past we've had regulators, in fact, I think we had one that was themed around where the industry meets the regulator. And that's some of the most stimulating conversations we have. It's the real big pictures of what it is that we need to measure, what it, how we're going to measure it, how we make it robust, and what the regulator is going to regulate. You know, and Kareem in the CCUS is, is at the early stage of helping the regulator. Uh, but those of us a lot more grey here than Kareem have uh, been through this cycle once or twice before. But in terms of the workshop, some of the most stimulating conversations we've ever had at those over the last decade or so have been at those touch points between the regulators and the operators and the service companies have to deliver the technology. It's a really stimulating part of this workshop, in my opinion. Very good. Excellent point. We'll take we'll take another question, uh, which w- will also serve. Uh, or actually, we'll take a question on future proofing well integrity, which will relate to questions from the audience. Um, so, well integrity will play a key role to provide. Uh, uh, well, no, actually, I'll take the the, the following. Uh, considering the current demographics in the industry and the lack of interest for STEM for many students, how can we ensure well not only have the financial resources to imagine aging wells, but also the competent workforce. And we had two questions from the audience directly related to that. And I think well, that's how we'll finish the discussion today. How to make the well integrity uh, discipline attractive for talents or um, uh, I think there was another one. Yeah, it was it was also related to, to the same thing, how to attract people into well integrity. I genuinely think this is the biggest challenge that we have. And well integrity you know to do anything in any industry i think you need three things you need the right ideas you need the right money and you need the right people um and i think through you know the well integrity technical section and these kind of workshops that we're talking about in march that's where you get the right ideas um the money will be there it just will because you know the oil industry's a you know uh lucrative business so uh, and the liabilities so the downside of the money is also there there will be incentives to make sure things happen my biggest challenge i think that, that i see 
is that we attract the right kind of people into this industry. And it is the kind of things that SBE does on the ground, going into schools, talking about how exciting it is to work on um, you know, engineering challenges, even in what are considered to be older industries. And there is an analogy in my lifetime. When I was a teenager, I would say that, you know, a lot of the nuclear stuff that was being done in the UK, it was an unpopular energy generation system when 80s, 90s, when I was going through school and university and, uh, and people weren't moving into that. But there was an awful lot of work to be done on the decommissioning of, of some of these things. And now it's a resurgent energy source is seen as much cleaner than um, than other sources. So we've seen this cycle before of a dip in interest and then a reimagining of that, um, the excitement of that. But it's up to us, people like us, you know, individual leaders within the industry, individual SBE members and other STEM ambassadors to go about, out and speak to schools and talk to people about how challenging and exciting and that uh, an engineering career can be. Hmm. Michael, 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 perhaps, perhaps uh, I think the topic was discussed at the uh, WIT dinner at uh, ATCE. Was there any from your perspective or some of those conversations? Do you have any final words on, on specifically on this? Sapir, thank you for that. Yes, we actually were asked to do the opening dinner at the um, annual technical conference uh, last year, and it was sold in our keynote, ExxonMobil, and we had a really nice panel of surface and manufacturers um, fielding questions on the workforce. Very concerned from you know, all stakeholders. Uh, you can imagine the academics um, that were seated all at one table. They came in, you know, where is my discipline going? I think one of the overall messages is that well integrity affects us all anything below the the mud line creating infrastructure uh it's really important for us to convey that message of how you as an individual whether you're a reservoir engineer uh selecting spots uh for your wells in your field to someone that may be coming to, to do an intervention. We all have a role to play and understanding that our standards are around a guideline and a process. Knowing where you are in that process is really key. And the academics took that away as saying, you know, maybe we should convey this in most of our classes when it and this is petroleum engineering, uh, where we are along that process, because we typically do a very silo, and this is the academic speaking, very siloed um, instruction program. Um, and well integrity kind of includes a lot of what we do. And uh, typically well integrity Integrity experts come out of a couple of decade um, of training, being you know boots, boots on the ground, seeing problems, resolving problems, working across the disciplines, working across the sector with service companies, technology innovators uh, to prevent uh, well integrity incidents from happening. So um, we'd like to see you know new graduates come out, have tools, uh, digital tools, being able to predict these these issues way ahead of time and prevent them. Um, Super, so, yes, um, we do think that we have a kind of a, a different approach depending on the operator and the company. So um, that's where we think we can we can make a difference. I know we're out of time here. So thanks. Pierre. Exactly. Perfect. So thanks. I would like to thank both both of I mean, uh, the, the the panelists and the audience for participating. Um, I think it was a great session. If you want a richer uh, exchange, feel free to join us. Uh, at the workshop 
in in March, there'll be a full two-day action-packed, great event for networking, breakout sessions, takeaways, and we hope to leave the participants with food for thoughts at the end of this. There'll be another WITS live event, SP live event in April. Uh, so feel free to, to stay tuned, watch that space for this as well. Thank you again. Thanks for listening to the SPE Live podcast. For more content, visit the SPE Energy Stream, the industry's digital pulse at streaming.spe.org. If you enjoyed today's show, don't forget to subscribe and review. Join us next time on the SPE Live podcast.